0: Hi, this is Hannah Lindell and Nick Olick, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a plastic surgery podcast. Today we'll be continuing our quick hit series and discussing orthognathic TMJ and chin. Nick, do you want to get us started off by talking about some palate and alveolar fractures?
1: Sure. So let's dive right in. Um, So the treatment of palatal fractures is going to depend on the pattern and the uh, occlusal status of the patient. So for an isolated palatal fracture with no malocclusion, this can be treated with non-operative management. For an isolated palate fracture with malocclusion, this can require open reduction and internal fixation. Comminuted palatal fractures will require a transpalatal approach. And alveolar fractures with comminution and malocclusion, there are many options, including including resin, bridal wires, microplates, and monocortical screws. Moving on to the maxilla, we'll start with some uh, vascular anatomy. So some of the blood supply, um, we think about the descending palatine, which is a branch of the maxillary artery, and this may be disrupted with a LaFort 1. The ascending palatine is a branch of the facial artery, and this applies the soft palate. And The ascending pharyngeal is a branch of the external carotid artery. Next, move on to some measurements. So, remember the face is divided into horizontal thirds, starting from the uh, hairline to the glabella. This is the superior third. The middle third is from the glabella to the subnasale, and the lower third is from the subnasale to the menton. We're often tested, and uh, when we think about orthognathic surgery, we need to think about uh, different angles. Um, One of them is the SNA or the cella, nasion, and anterior maxilla, and the normal angle is 80 to 84 degrees. The SNB is formed uh, from the angle drawn between the cella, nasion, and B point, which is the supramentality of the mandible. And normal for the SNB is 78 to 80 degrees. The Frankfurt horizontal plane is defined by a line from the superior edge of the external audit- auditory meatus to the inferior orbital meatus. The A and B angle um, is the position of the mandible relative to the maxilla. Next, move on to talk about some occlusion. So, class one occlusion is the mesiobuccal cusp of the maxillary first molar lies in the buccal groove of the mandibular first molar. Class two occlusion is when the mesiobuccal cusp of the maxillary first molar is located mesial or interior to the buccal groove of the mandibular first molar. Uh, division one class two malocclusion is when the lateral, lateral incisors flare labially, and division two the incisors uh, are inclined lingually. Class three malocclusion is when the mesiobuscal cusp of the maxillary first molar is positioned distal to the buccal buccal groove of the mandibular first molar. Kind of a mouthful there, no pun intended. (laughs) Uh, Centric occlusion and centric relation are important for any elective orthognathic surgery because maximal intercusation and proper mandibular condylar position is most likely to result in optimal occlusion after orthognathic surgery. So moving on to some pathologies uh, in orthognathic surgery. So thinking about deficiencies in excess of the maxilla and the mandible. We'll start with maxillary transverse deficiency. Um, If this is encountered in a young patient prior to suture closure, this can be treated with orthopedic and orthodontic expansion. If the patient is skeletally mature and still suffering from maxillary transverse deficiency, this needs to be managed with surgically assisted rapid palatal expansion or SARP for uh, a nice acronym there. Vertical maxillary Maxillary deficiency can be treated with a Lefort 1 osteotomy and interpositional grafting. You will see an ANS less than normal, um, which is 52 to 57. You'll observe in these patients a wide alar base and an acute mandibular plane. Long face syndrome or vertical maxillary uh, excess, sorry, patients will present with a long vertical facial height in the lower third, narrow constricted alar base lip incompetence with excessive interlabial gap and excessive gingival and upper incisor show at rest while smiling. The chin will also appear long and protruded, and the patient will have an anterior open bite. So, on cephalometric exam, you will find a SNA and SNB angle that are smaller than normal and an ANB that is larger than normal. This will present with mentalis strain. And the treatment for these patients is a Lafort 1 osteotomy and impaction. And the ultimate outcome is two to three upper incisors showing at repose. So a LeFort 1 advancement is going to result in an increased nasio-labial angle, a widened ailer base, and the upper lip will be shortened and incisal show will be increased. The descending palatine artery can be damaged in LeFort 1. This is important to remember because after LeFort 1, the ascending palatine and the ascending pharyngeal Artery from the facial artery provide the blood supply to the maxilla. That's a commonly tested point and something to, to think about when you're going through this anatomy prior to a case. Uh, the most common orthognathic surgery to cause significant hemorrhage is in fact the Fort one advancement. Uh, it is contraindicated until skeletal maturity, uh, 18 years of age. And the factor associated with the highest risk of VPI after Lefort 1 is clefting of the lip and palate. So if we do this advancement in a uh, a cleft trial, do you have to worry about velopharyngeal insufficiency? Lefort 2 can be performed at the level of the apices of the teeth through the pterygoid plates, medial orbital wall, orbital floor, and nasofrontal junction. And Lefort 3 osteotomy passes through the nasofrontal junction, medial orbital wall, orbital floor, and orbital fissure, uh, the ZF, and the zygomatic arch. In children who undergo Lefort III, uh, they are at risk of having a recurrence of pathology due to minimal mid-phase sagittal growth after this surgery, uh, but normal mandibular growth. And this may be indicated in patients with Pfeiffer syndrome and nasopharyngeal airway obstruction. And in these patients, Lefort I is contraindicated due to developing teeth. Distraction osteogenesis is useful in patients that need maxillary advancement greater than 10 millimeters. Uh, minimal disruption of the central medullary bone has been shown to be a core principle of distraction osteogenesis. This can be accomplished by using a low energy corticotomy that divides only the bony cortex, thus optimizing the resultant bone formation. An External distractor is advantageous because it results in fewer operative procedures. And important to remember that the latency period um, prior to beginning distraction is five to seven days. Hannah, do you want to move on and talk a little bit about the mandible?
0: Yeah, thanks, Nick. So we'll start by discussing some of the anatomy. So the innervation is the marginal mandibular nerve, the inferior alveolar nerve, and the facial nerve. And remember that the mental nerve comes out at the level of the second premolar, uh, which often comes up with an intraoral approach uh, for mandible fractures. The vasculature of the mandible is the inferior alveolar artery plus periosteal perforators. And keep in mind that the facial vessels come off at the inferior border below the first molar. The condyle is supplied by retrograde flow from the inferior alveolar artery. In terms of the growth centers, the growth center is located at the condyle, and so it is susceptible to disruption of growth if there's a fracture of the condyle. And the goal with any mandible fracture is to restore centric relation in which the condyle is seated in the glenoid fossa, with centric occlusion in which there's maximal intercuspation. The musculature will determine the obliquity of the Fracture. So the lateral pterygoid pulls the the condyle anterior medial. The medial pterygoid pulls the angle in the body of the mandible. And the genioglossus, which is supplied by the hypoglossal nerve, attaches anteriorly and pulls posteriorly. So there are several elective mandible procedures. So a sagittal split osteotomy, you can perform a setback or advancement of the mandible. Of mandibular dentition for hypoplasia or hyperplasia. For an SMB that is less than normal, you can perform a BSSO in advancement. For an SMB that is greater than normal, you can perform a BSSO in a setback. And then you can perform a LaFort 1 and a BSSO together for an SNA that's greater that's less than normal and an SMB that's greater than normal. The next procedure we'll discuss is a genioplasty. And so the first step is always to evaluate occlusion. A jumping genioplasty, you perform a transverse osteotomy, and this removes the vertical height, and then you perform transposition anteriorly to address sagittal deficiency. An occlusion should be normal in pure retrogenia. Uh, you can also, also this can be seen in vertical retrognathia. Chin implantation is recommended to increase the AP projection. A for genioplasty, you can use porous polyethylene prosthesis, and this has more tissue in growth. And you can also perform it with uh, solid silicone, and you may form a capsule around it, or it may move a bit, but it's easier to implant and explant. And complications include increased lower incisal show due to improper and inadequate repair of the mentalis muscle and numbness of the lower lip due to mental nerve injury. That's something at least that I've seen a lot of, but uh, it comes up every once in a while in the end service. So TMJ, which is something I think we're a little bit more familiar with. So the TMJ is a hinge sliding joint. It has both hinge and sliding components during jaw opening. The TMJ disease is most common in women ages 20 to 40. And in terms of the etiology, the most common is articular disc subluxation. So when the posterior attachments of the disc become attenuated or ruptured, the disc will sublux anteriorly and will relocate, which presents as clicking. MRI is the gold standard for diagnosis, and ultrasound can also confirm the pathology. The treatment is initially conservative, so with NSAIDs, bite blocks, or in physical therapy. However, this may progress to ankylosis, in which there is destruction of the articular disc along with fibrosis, narrowing of the joint space, and bony fusion, and this is most commonly caused by trauma. Surgical reduction of the articular eminence is indicated for patients who have symptomatic locking of the mandible, and intercapsular disc repositioning and reduction of the articular eminence is needed. So patients who have avascular necrosis can also have limited jaw motion due to devascularization. If a patient presents with acute TMJ dislocation, there is anterior extension of the condyle beyond the imminence of joint hypermobility, and the reduction maneuver is downward and posterior pressure, as well as making sure to sedate the patient because this will be quite painful. In patients with rheumatoid arthritis, they often present with tenderness, swelling, and decreased motion in the TMJ joint. And this results in joint destruction and ankylosis. If this develops as a child, it may lead to erosion of the condyles and progressive mandibular retrognathia and an open bite. Internal TMJ, TMJ derangement is defined as an abnormal relationship between the articular disc and the mandibular condyle. And this is often associated with anterior displacement of the meniscus and posterior superior malpositioning of the condyle. In terms of the symptoms that patients present with, the most common is pain on palpation of the muscles and mastication. They may also have an anterior open bite, pain with chewing and clicking. And ultrasound-guided arthrocentesis can help to decrease the comfort and is a little bit less invasive than some of the other surgeries. And then again, treatment is generally conservative, but may progress to surgery if conservative treatment or the arthrocentesis is not effective. And just one miscellaneous fact that comes up on some of these questions. The canines have the longest roots, they're 30 millimeters, and are most likely to be injured in a Lafort 1 osteotomy for maxillary advancement. So thanks for joining us. I know that was kind of a hodgepodge of information, but uh, good luck reviewing it.
1: As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natral is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit Metrelsurgeon.com.